Once again, we're hearing the lovely Martha Tilton. She was known as the lilting Martha Tilton, and she has a, a, just a divine voice, and I kind of like the song as well. Anyway, this is, uh, oh well, the Chambers Street Theater, and I'm Ruth Chambers, and here we are on KDRT Low Power, High Impact, 95.7 FM. And we are an independent media outlet for alternative voices. And I guess you could say a lot of us are our alternative voices because we're not like on the, the top ten radio shows of the world. We're somewhere a little farther down, but we've got a little more variety. <laughs> and that's kind of nice. Well, here we are, and we're going to finish up um, this week with uh, Robert W. Service. We have, um, well, some nice poems by him. Uh, we're going to do Sam McGee, of course. That's, that's very good. <laughs> and then we're going to do uh, a couple that you haven't heard. And we're going to start off with the ones that you haven't heard. And this one uh, is um, The Ballad of Blasphemous Bill. Okay, are we ready to start with Robert W. Service? Okay. I took a contract to bury the body of blasphemous Bill Mackay. Uh, wherever, wherever, or whatsoever the manner of death, he die. Whether he die in the light o' day or under the peak-faced moon, in cabin or dance hall, camp or dive, Mucklucks or patent swoon. On velvet tundra or virgin peak, by glazier, <laughs> drift or draw. In muskig, hollow or canyon gloom, by avalanche, fang or claw. By battle, murder or sudden wealth. <laughs> by pestilence, hooch or lead. I swore on the book. I would follow and look till I found my tombless dead. For Bill was a dainty kind of cuss, and in his mind was mighty sought on a 
dinky patch of flowers and grass in a civilized boneyard lot. And where he died or how he died, it didn't matter a damn so long as he had a grave with frills and a tombstone epigram. So I promised him, and he paid the price in good checkaroo coin, which the same I blowed in that very night down in the tenderloin. <laughs> then I painted a three-foot slab of pine. Here lies poor Bill Mackay. And I hung it up in my cabin wall and waited for Bill to die. Years passed away, and at last one day came a squall with a strange story of a long-deserted line of traps way back of the Bighorn Range, of a little hut by the Great Divide and a white man stiff and still, lying there by his lonesome self, and I figured it must be Bill. So I thought of the contract I'd made with him, and I took down from the shelf the swell black box with the silver plate he picked out for himself. And I packed it full of grub and hooch, and I slung it on the sleigh. Then I harsened up my team of dogs and was off at dawn of day. You know what it's like in the Yukon wild while well, it's 69 below, when the ice worms wiggle their purple heads through the crust of the pale blue snow. When the pine trees crack like little guns in the silence of the wood and the icicles hang down like tusks under the parka hood. When the stovepipe smoke breaks sudden off and the sky is weirdly lit and the careless feel of a bit of steel burns like a red-hot spit. When the mercury is a frozen ball and the frost fiend stalks to kill, well, it was just like that the day when I set out to look for Bill. Ah, the awful hush that seemed to crush me down on every hand as I blundered blind with a trail to find through the blank and bitter land. Half dazed, half crazed in the winter wild, with its grim heartbreaking woes and the ruthless strife for a grip on life that only the sourdough knows. North by the compass, north I pressed, river and peak and plain. Passed like a dream I slept to lose and I walked to dream again. Uh, river and plain and mighty peak and who could stand unawed? As their summits blazed, he could stand on days at the foot of the throne of God. North, I north, through a land accursed, shunned by the scouring brutes, and all I heard was my own harsh word and the whine of the Malamutes. Till at last I came to a cabin squat built in the side of a hill, and I burst in the door, and there on the floor, frozen to death, lay Bill. Ice, white ice, like a winding sheet sheathing each smoke-grimed wall. Ice on the stovepipe, ice on the bed, ice gleaming over all, sparkling ice on the dead man's chest, glittering ice in his hair, ice on his fingers, ice in his heart, ice in his glassy stare. Hard as a log and trussed like a frog with his arms and legs outspread, 
I gazed at the coffin I'd bought for him, and I gazed at the gruesome dead. And at last I spoke. Bill liked his joke, but still gall darn his eyes. A man had ought to consider his mates and the way he goes and dies. Have you ever stood in the Arctic hut in the shadow of the pole with a coffin six by three and a grief you can't control? Have you ever sat by a frozen corpse that looks at you with a grin and that it seems to say, me, you may try all day, but you'll never jam me in? I'm not a man of a quitting kind, and I never felt so blue as I sat there gazing at that stiff and studying what I'd do. Then I rose and I cooked off, well, I kicked off the husky dogs that were nosing round about, and I lit a roaring fire in the stove, and I started to thaw Bill out. Well, I thawed and thawed for thirteen days, but it didn't do no good. His arms and legs stuck out like pegs as if they were made of wood. Till at last I said, it ain't no use. He's froze too hard to thaw. He's obstinate and he won't lie straight. So I guess I got to saw. So I sawed off poor Bill's arms and legs and I laid him snug and straight. In the little coffin he picked himself with the dinky silver plate, and I came nigh near to shedding a tear as I named him selfly, safely down. Then I stowed him away in my Yukon sleigh, and I started back to town. So I buried him as the contract was in a narrow grave and deep, and there he's waiting the great clean-up when the judgment sluice heads sweep. And I smoke my pipe and I meditate in the light of the midnight sun. And sometimes I wonder if they was <laughs> the awful things I done. And as I sit and the parson talks, expounding of the law, I often think of poor old Bill and how hard he was to saw. <laughs> That's part of the humor of the Yukon Gold Rush, and that's in the late uh, 1800s. People were going up to Alaska, and it was a little chilly up there. You needed more than a jacket, because <laughs> it was cold. And uh, people were concerned about how they'd be buried and how they'd be remembered and, and such. And, well... I think that's kind of funny because it's, it's funny in a sick uh, kind of humor. Uh, but what do you do when the man bought a coffin too small for himself? <laughs> anyway, it makes for a good poem. This one's called A Sourdough Story. Hark to a sourdough story told at 60 below when the pipes are lit and we smoke and spit into the campfire glow. Rugged are we and hoary and stating a general rule, a genuine sourdough story. Ain't no yarn for the Sunday school. A sourdough came to stake his claim in heaven one morning early. St. Peter cried, Who waits outside them gates so bright and pearly? 
I'm recent dead, the sourdough said, and crave to visit Hades, where haply pine some pals of mine, including certain ladies, <laughs> said Peter. Go, you old sourdough, from life so cruelly revin, and if you fail to find their trail, we'll have a snoop round heaven. He waved, and lo, that old sourdough dropped down to hell's red spaces. But though twas hot, he couldn't spot them old familiar faces. The bedrock burned, and so he turned and climbed with footsteps fleeter, the stairway straight to heaven's gate, and there, of course, was Peter. I cannot see my mate, says he, among those damned forever. I have a hunch, some of the bunch, in heaven I'll discover, said Peter. True, and this I'll do, since sourdoughs is my felon. You see them guys in paradise lined up against the railing? as bald as coots in birthday suits with beards below the middle? Well, I'll allow you in right now if you can solve a riddle. Among the gang of stiffs who hang the daughter round the portals is one who's named to fame. It's Adam, first of mortals. For quiet's sake, he makes a break from Eve, which is his madam, and there's the gate. To crash it straight, just spy the guy. That's Adam. The old sourdough went down the row of gray beards ruminating. With optics dim, they peered at him and pressed again the grating. In every fate, he sought some trace of our ancestral father, but though he stared, he soon despaired the faintest clue to gather. Then suddenly he whooped with glee, Aha! An inspiration! And to and fro among the row he ran with animation. To Peter, bold, he cried, Behold! All told there are eleven. Suppose I fix on number six. <laughs> Say, boy, how's that for heaven? By gosh, you win, said Peter. Step in, but tell me how you chose him. They're like as pins, all might be twins. There's nothing to disclose him, the sourdough said. Twas hard. My head was seething with commotion. I felt a dunce then all at once. I had a glorious notion. I stooped and peered beneath each beard that drooped like feast, fleece of mutton. My search was crowned. That bird I found ain't got no belly button. I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> you might have to think about that a minute. Well, my goodness, I guess it's time for the cremation of Sam McGee. Now, this is one of uh, Robert W. Service's most famous poems, and it's, it's a good one. I like to read it at least once a year because uh, it's one of my favorites. And here we go, the cremation of Sam McGee. 
There's strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge, I cremated Sam McGee. Now, Sam McGee was from Tennessee, where the cotton blooms and blows. Why he left his home in the south to roam round the pole, God only knows. He was always cold, but the land of gold seemed to hold him like a spell. Though he'd often say in his homely way that he'd sooner live in hell. On a Christmas day, we was mushing our way over the Dawson Trail. Talk of your cold. Through the parka's fold, it stabbed like a driven nail. If our eyes would close, then the lashes froze till sometimes we couldn't see. It wasn't much fun, but the only one to whimper was Sam McGee. And that very night, as we lay packed tight in our robes beneath the snow... And the dogs were fed, and the stars o'erhead were dancing heel and toe. He turned to me, and, Cap, says he, I'll cash in this trip, I guess. And if I do, I'm asking that you won't refuse my last request. Well, he seemed so low that I couldn't say no. Then he says with a sort of moan, it's the cursed cold, and it's got right hold till I'm chilled clean through to the bone. Yet taint being dead, it's my awful dread of the icy grave that pains. So I want you to swear that, foul or fair, you'll cremate my last remains. Oh, a pal's last need is a thing to heed, so I swore I would not fail. And we started on at the trek of dawn, but God, he looked ghastly pale. He crouched on the sleigh and he raved all day of his home in Tennessee. And before nightfall, a corpse was all that was left of Sam McGee. There wasn't a breath in that land of death, and I hurried horror-driven with a corpse half hid that I couldn't get rid because of a promise given. It was lashed to the sleigh, and it seemed to say, You may tax your brawn and brains, but you promised true, and it's up to you to cremate those last remains. Now a promise made is a debt unpaid, and the trail has its own stern code. In the days to come, though my lips were numb, in my heart how I cursed that load. In the long, long night, by the lone firelight, while the huskies round in a ring howled out their woes to the homeless snows. Oh, God, how I loathed the thing. And every day that quiet clay seemed a heavy and heavier grow. And on I went, though the dogs were spent and the grub was getting low. The trail was bad, and I felt half mad, but I swore I would not give in, and I'd often sing to the hateful thing, and it hearkened with a grin. 
till I came to the marge of Lake Labarge, and a derelict there lay. It was jammed in the ice, but I saw in a thrice it was called the Alice May. And I looked at it, and I thought a bit, and I looked at my frozen chum. Then here, said I with a sudden cry, is my crematorium. Some planks I tore from the cabin floor, and I lit the boiler fire. Some coal I found that was laying around, and I heaped the fuel higher. The flames just soared, and the furnace roared, such a blaze you seldom see. And I burrowed a hole in the glowing coal, and I stuffed in Sam McGee. Then I made a hike, for I didn't like to hear him sizzle so. And the heavens scowled, and the huskies howled, and the wind began to blow. It was icy cold, but the hot sweat rolled down my cheeks, and I don't know why. And the greasy smoke and an inky cloak went streaking down the sky. I don't know how long in the snow I wrestled with grisly fear, but the stars came out and they danced about ere again I ventured near. I was sick with dread, but I bravely said I'll just take a peep inside. I guess he's cook and it's time I looked. Then the door I opened wide. And there sat Sam, looking cool and calm in the heart of the furnace roar. And he wore a smile you could see a mile, and he said, Please close that door. It's fine in here, but I gravely fear you'll let in the cold and storm. Since I left Plumtree down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge, I cremated Sam McGee. And... There are three more of Robert W. Service's poems. The fact is he was from England. He probably had a British accent. And, uh, well, it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> a British accent in the Yukon just doesn't sound right, so I always use sort of a Western settlers going west uh, accent. I think it goes with the material better. Well, the Chambers Street Theater can be heard live on Thursday at 11 a.m., and it repeats Friday, 2.30 p.m., and Saturday night at 11.30 p.m., moving into the nighttime and bedtime. <laughs> but stay up, stay up for 11.30 to hear the Chambers Street Theater. Well, uh, what can I say? Robert W. Service uh, was a Britisher. He came to Canada and worked in a bank. He also held an, a lot of other jobs and kind of traveled about. And I'm making a guess that a lot of his stories were based on true tales that he heard, probably in uh, various um, saloons <laughs> or even restaurants, uh, places where people gather and they tell stories and 
Most of them are true. Well, some of them probably aren't. But the point is, he uh, has reported accurately, just like Mark Twain has, what was going on during a very hectic time, the gold rush in the Yukon. And, of course, Mark Twain was in Nevada and uh, in California during the gold rush and silver time of 1849. So uh, we have accurate stories from these two, and we're just glad that they recorded them because they were on the ground, as Mark Twain said. I was on the ground. And he recorded what was going on, and it's good that we have that information now because it's a whole big different thing. Well, go to kdrt.org to hear past Chamber Street Theater, and there I am, and you can listen anytime. When that uh, uh, menu comes up uh, for kdrt.org, there's a programs listing, and there I am. <laughs> you go to programs in the Chamber Street Theater, and it's got uh, all the recent ones and a lot of the past ones. Well, let's see, what have we got here? We've got, whoops, some information to share if I don't drop this book, <laughs> which I sometimes have a tendency to do and all the pages fall out. Well, what can I say? <laughs> KDRT is always on the lookout for excellent and unique new programming. If you have a fabulous idea for a show, be it news, public affairs, or music-related, we want to hear from you. We provide the space, the tools, the training, and the airwaves. You come to learn, share, and collaborate with a vibrant community of radio broadcasters and listeners. For more information, visit kdrt.org or drop us a line at info at kdrt.org. And I want to tell you about a wonderful, wonderful show. And I'm going to spell it first. It's D-U-N-I-Y-A, second word, D-U-R, third word, D-A-R-S-H-A-N. And your pronunciation of that is probably better than mine. And it's host by Char Sovis, and it's a musical journey through Bollywood. And you know, I listen to this every week, and I, I enjoy it. I actually think it's fun. And so I'm going to let you know about it. And you can look it up under programs at kdrt.org, and that's D-U-N-I-Y-A. And Char Sovis is the DJ. And we've got some interesting detours through Indian classical, hip-hop, pop, and world music. Uh, this is live on Mondays from 6 to 7 p.m. 